I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bold, reverent, and occasionally random. The Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast starts now. There's a lot of serious things going on in the world, but I sent Buck this story, and we've got it up at uh, we've got it up at Outkick, uh, and I would encourage you guys to check it out if you need a little bit of a laugh. Um, so the current Jeopardy champion. I mean, I don't know how many of you watch Jeopardy. Uh, occasionally, we have it on in the Travis household. Um, he is a man from Tennessee. I want to make sure that I get his name right. Uh, his name is Brian Henniger, uh, and he's tired of everybody saying that he looks. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> He's oh, current, current Jeopardy champion. I can't. You never know what's going to happen. He's oh, a. God. He's from Tennessee. <laughs> he has a mustache, and he has had to shut down all of his social media <laughs> accounts <laughs> because too many people are saying that he looks like Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Adolf Hitler, and I don't know. I don't know. I mean, really? Here's a quote from him, and then I'm going to dive into this a bit more. Uh, Here's a quote from Brian Hinegar, who I want to make it clear is not Adolf Hitler. Uh, Right now, I'm feeling every emotion under the sun reliving my Jeopardy experience, and I'm seeing what a bunch of jerks on Twitter are doing because all they can focus on are my looks. So I'm going to be leaving Twitter for a while. See you soon. Uh, so I have two things to say right now. He's continuing. Then I'm not going to say anything else about the matter for the sake of my own sanity. For starters, <laughs> even though I've spent about 10 years on it, I'm shaving off my mustache tonight. Too much work to keep it tight. Uh, and then he continues. So I decided rather than shave off my mustache, I'm just going to grow it out into a goatee. Uh, I admit I run the risk of making myself look like my evil twin from a parallel universe. That's just the risk. Uh, and so he's growing the goatee now. So, so uh, can, can I just point yes. out from the from the aesthetic side of this, when you told <laughs> when you told me about this, all I was picturing, like my, I was like, okay, this guy has a mustache that's a little too close in, a little, too, you know, a little bit too, but it's not actually just the mustache. Yeah, he's got a very severe side part as well. 
So that the mustache, I would say, come on, that's a little like, you know, maybe that's, but the mustache that he has plus the hair, I just want to know how did no one ever tell him? That's you know, my question. Hey, buddy, you need to, you need to tone that one it, down a little bit. Here is the conclusion to all of this drama surrounding the Hitler stand-in, who is not Hitler, who has been winning on Jeopardy. To all you jerkolas, which by the way, Great. I just, I mean, I am all in when anybody gets called a jerkola. You thought comparing my appearance to one of the most evil dictators who ever lived was the height of comedy. Well, when I get my Jeopardy win- winnings, I'm going to be making a donation to the Anti-Defamation League. Now, Buck, here's my question for you. Has there ever been any person who has ever destroyed a type of fashion more than Hitler ending the Hitler mustache, right? Like this guy. Also also the name. I mean, the name Adolf Adolf Hitler. Adolf. Well, first of all, Hitler. (laughs) You definitely don't meet little. You don't meet kids walking around or, you know, kids in the playground like that are are Hitler. Um, But even the name Adolf is gone. Used to be wildly popular. Adolf was a common name. You yes. can go back and, and check. Uh, it was a common name. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the mustache, that particular mustache. But also because I think the way, I think the way that, that, that Hitler's was, it was, you know, we go through facial hair phases in societies. This is just true. You can see yeah. this, right? This is why, uh, you know, when you go into, uh, like, if you go into, like, an old steakhouse, they have guys in the 1920s, you know, in, in paintings. Everybody has this kind of, you know, turned up mustache, Curly right? Q mustache. Yeah, yep. that was the fashion then. And, you know, you go, I think post-Civil War, because of Grant, beards were really popular. You're the Civil War guy. But, you know, yep. go, you go through these periods, right? Bur- Sideburn comes from General Burnside, right? Who Very well was, done, yes. Thank you. I know some One of the most stuff. disastrous attacks in the history of American military history at Fredericksburg. So while he may have left behind the sideburn, uh, did not necessarily uh, lend himself to military history manuals. But usually, you know, when, when there's these, these facial hair changes, there's a certain way. Hitler's mustache was very specific, even for his time to him. Like, you yeah. don't really find other people. And it, I mean, that may have been purposeful, or maybe it's just, I mean, yeah, most evil person ever. So you definitely don't want to be conflated with him. Nobody had, and to, to kind of discuss facial uh, hair status for men, no one had a beard until like 2006, by and large. Because yep. I remember, I grew my, I've had a beard for 20 years now. I grew my beard for the first time in 02. So I, I have a theory about this, and I could be wrong, but I actually, if you look at the history of fashion, really, honestly, it's yep. really the history, a lot of the time, of military Military fashion drives civilian fashion. Look at, you know, obviously trench coats after the First World War. You go back. There's tons of examples yep. of this, right? Military fashion. Um, the tricorn hat, for example, a military fashion that actually started beard, out as a peasant fashion. to your fashion. point, everybody in, in Civil War times grew a beard no matter what. Like, that was not that common prior. Okay. Right. But what I was going to say is... Um, and now I've completely forgot what I was. Is gonna, it oh, the special sorry. ops guys? Yes, start thank work? you. Yes. Special ops guys coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, beards and tattoos. That's the height of badass masculinity. Yeah, and that has completely. It's just sort of. It's you know raised the stakes of what it means to look like a look like a dude. You want to be bearded, tattooed, and preferably kind of jacked, and that comes straight from the special operations community out of Iraq, Afghanistan wars, and and other places. I, that's yeah, what I think I, really pushed it. 
I'll even argue too. I think the beard is a rejection of remember the metrosexual and like the anti-masculine curl that sort of happened, I would say, in the early 2000s. I think a lot of dudes, I think you're right. The special ops guys are like American superheroes. But I think a lot of women started saying, I want actual dudes and beard is a hyper-masculine way to look like a man. This all said, I'm thinking about shaving my beard, so. Oh, no. Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck. I saw this story, Buck, and I wanted to have a, uh, a good story to close out the week. I don't think this story has actually gotten as much attention as it should have. Um, some of you will remember in Washington State, we appreciate everybody out there listening in Washington State right now. Uh, a coach named Joseph Kennedy was at Bremerton High School, and he was an assistant football coach. And after games, he would pray at the 50-yard line. And sometimes other kids would decide to pray alongside of him. It wasn't compelled. It was for people who felt, this is actually pretty common, Buck, as you, as you probably know, even though you're not a huge sports fan, it's very common for after football games, before football games, for there to be prayers. It's a violent sport. People want people. I mean, I am safe. I am an American. Yes. I do I do I do watch some sports. So you're you're familiar with this. This is not uncommon, right? After a game for everybody to gather and to pray. Well, in Washington State, he was fired from his job for choosing to pray after games. Uh, and he eventually took his case all the way to the Supreme Court. It took seven years. Uh, He was uh, suspended from his coaching job in 2015. uh, And he said, it was my covenant between me and God after every game, win or lose, I'm going to do it right there on the field of battle. He sued the school district. It went all the way to uh, the Supreme Court. Justice Neil Gorsuch uh, said the Constitution and the best of our traditions counsel mutual respect and toler- tolerance, not censorship and suppression for religious and non-religious views alike. He won his case at the Supreme Court, this coach did. It was ordered that he be rehired as an assistant coach. They paid for all of his lawyers, and he got a $1.7 million settlement. So for everybody out there, Buck... Going into the weekend, I know sometimes it can be frustrating. You feel like truth and justice is not always winning. This story, to me, of a guy, just an assistant high school football coach, fought for seven years to get his right to pray after a football game in a public high school allowed. And now, not only did he win all the way at the U.S. Supreme Court, he's getting his assistant coaching job back and $1.7 million. That, my friends is a win it's a good day for america good day makes me makes me happy justice can be done i want to i want everyone to remember that that it is possible because next week it may very well, well feel yeah. like justice doesn't really get done very much in this country at all depending on how the situation plays out in new york city dare we call this buck a beautiful result i think so. <laughs> I, it's definitely a handsome result <laughs> It's very handsome. This is a result that works out a lot. I, 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 for people out there who, who are not aware, Buck described Michelangelo's David as a beautiful man, and there have been a lot of reactions rolling in as to whether or not a man can be beautiful. I, you know, I just thought we were in history class for a second here. I thought, I thought we were in the trust tree. I thought we were in the nest. 
Oh, it's such as old school. One of the great yeah. all-time movies. The Frank the Tank would have called Michelangelo's David a beautiful man. Certainly after a few. Days. You need to watch Old School again now that you're married because one of the, I think the funniest. There are a ton of funny scenes in Old School, but when Frank the Tank is going through and he gets offered a beer bong, and he says, "Nah, he's got a really busy day. Yeah, uh, he's got to go know, to Home Depot." And you know, I will say though, on. it wasn't me. Just so everyone, it wasn't me. I did have a friend in college though who during senior week went streaking, and he got arrested. And this was in the Carolinas. And they kept him naked in the back of the squad car. So streaking in the movies is one thing. Streaking in real life, very different. Did they give him clothes when he got to the jail? They gave him a, like a blanket to wrap up in at the jail. <laughs> but he was naked in the back seat of the car and handcuffed. I remember he told me about this. So. this is not You do not want to be it naked. It was not me. I'm not an, I hope he didn't drop the soap. Um, I appreciate all of you. I hope all of you have fantastic weekends. Good congratulations to that coach in Washington. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Sundays with Clay and Buck. <laughs> We've got Kevin Downs with us now. He is the producer of a new movie, Jesus Revolution, a story based on real events 
exceeded box office expectations when it came out a few weeks ago. They they had said in the industry that you know maybe to bring in six to seven million in the opening weekend, it earned more than fifteen million dollars. Came in third at the box office, just behind the latest Marvel movie. It was playing on far fewer screens. It's actually number one on per theater average earnings uh, per screen. And uh, we wanted to talk to Kevin Downs now about the movie. I think a lot of you would want to see it. Kevin, thanks for calling in. Hey, good to be here. How are you today? I'm good, sir. Thank you. So tell everybody across America why you think this movie has been resonating with the audiences who have gone out to see it. Well, I think, you know, right now is just a, a, a good uh, a good time to go out to a movie theater and see a movie that really uh, has a hopeful and uplifting theme and and just really has uh, uh, unity and love is also another theme of it. And um, that's what our country needs right now. And so there's so much depressing news and bad news coming out of the last few years that, um, you know, having a, having a, a movie that makes you feel good about life is one that's really sorely needed. And, and we're seeing audiences really respond in a significant way. Can you tell us the, a, a bit of the story here? Because it it's based on a true story of Pastor Greg lori and this was going on i believe in southern california uh what what happened like what what was the jesus revolution the movies uh all about yeah jesus revolution is based on a true story uh the jesus movement which happened uh you know across america in the 70s started in the late 60s early 70s in california and so we just pick up a piece of this story there's thousands of stories that came out of the jesus movement that time magazine kind of had a, a cover a cover of a psychedelic Jesus and a bunch of photos and pictures of people being baptized in Southern California uh, waters. And so we just um, uh, picked up a story of a couple of pastors, one of them a little bit older, Pastor Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel, and Pastor Greg Laurie. He was uh, actually a teenager at that time, not a pastor. And I uh, just followed this story of why these hippies that were— um, you know, abandoning drugs and rock and roll and all of a sudden finding their way into churches. And what was it that was causing them to search for something different in their life um, and and try and have a change? And so, um, you know, the, the themes of love and unity are really, they, they resound. We've had a lot of audience members that just show a lot of emotion and a lot of tears and, and people hugging. And uh, certainly our country needs one big fat hug right now, I think. So uh, the movie's playing really well. We're speaking to Kevin Downs. He's the producer of Jesus Revolution, which is in theaters now. You know, Kevin, in addition to being a producer, you're an actor, writer, director. Uh, what's it like trying to get faith-based films made today? Uh, what's the attitude like toward them in, in Hollywood? Are, are they starting to see, I mean, when films like this happen, I mean, and I've talked to other people that, let's say, just deal with religious or, or traditional themes, uh, in independent films and there's always this oh my gosh this film's such a big success who would have thought well it's like well when you look at a lot of these films when they're well made and they have a theme that that would resonate with a uh traditional and, and often uh, in this case you know christian audience in particular it shouldn't be such a surprise so is the attitude is it opening up for independent films maybe at, not at the big studios but more broadly i mean how's that going yeah, no, look, I think it's going great. You know, uh, I had a film called I Can Only Imagine that came out five years ago, did 80, uh, over 82 million at the box office for a little $7 million film. And our partner Lionsgate, which is one of the big studios said, you know what, can you guys keep making movies for us? So we signed a deal with them and 
they finance our films and, um, uh, you know, we've done a number of films. Obviously, a lot of that time period has been through this pandemic. So that's been a challenge. We didn't know we were going to kind of get into trying to help rebuild the theatrical marketplace, but really thrilled um, even to be able to have a part of that. And our, in line, it's been awesome throughout it. I mean, uh, you know, they're thrilled with the results of Jesus Revolution and, and just how audiences are truly responding uh, to the film. They love the film, obviously, and um, want us to make more uh, like that, that really serves this audience that covers a lot of middle America. Well, that's good to hear. You know, so many times when we have people that, that have a, a Christian uh, message, particularly, they tell stories about how, oh, you know, nobody would, nobody would uh, work to pick it up, and we had to independently finance it and all this other stuff. So the fact that at least one, you know, I know Lionsgate, one, you know, name, studio that people uh, are familiar with seen a lot of movies from over the years i'm sure understands that these are good movies and it's a good business too so why wouldn't people want to be involved that that's encouraging i think um kelsey Grammer, he's in your movie i just think that's awesome i'm kind of a kelsey Grammer fan so how did that come about <laughs> yeah no i mean to play Ch- uh, pastor chuck smith i mean kelsey kind of embodies who chuck smith was just in his persona and he was kind of the first uh, first name that kind of popped to mind of co-director John Irwin. And John came to me and said, what do you think of Kelsey Grammer? And I said, dude, he'd be great. I mean, would he do it? Let's just find out. And so we sent the script to his reps. And next thing we know, uh, we got a yes. And so I asked Kelsey the first day on set. I'm like, why would you say yes to this? I'm actually really curious. And, um, and he said, you know, uh, my friends and I, were, we were kind of getting together one night having dinner. And we kind of wondered you know, wouldn't it be great if, if we started doing projects that actually would have a legacy behind them? And your script came into my email inbox that very night. And I read it and I thought it was incredible. And so I just told my people, I want to do this. And, and here we are. And, I'm, and he's such a, first of all, he's a great actor, but he's an even better human being. I, I, Kelsey's so great. And um, uh, would do another project with him in an absolute heartbeat. Um, he kind of is, you know, you, he's kind of like that guy next door that you see, uh, you know, in the movies or in his TV shows, and you really want to root for him, and that's who he is as an individual that, that I found. I'm wondering also, since the movie's based off of uh, real people like Pastor Greg Laurie, uh, have they, do they collaborate at all? Have you heard from them about what they think of the movie? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the script was based on some interviews that we did with Greg Laurie um, and his wife, Kathy, and then, you know, did some online research from some of the other participants and kind of, you know, there's a d- bunch of different stories you could tell in this time period. Certainly you could go uh, down a dark path, but we just felt like we really wanted to highlight the hope and the love and the unity that some of these people kind of experienced during this time period. I mean, you only have an hour and 45 minutes or so to tell a good movie. And so um, that was the themes we wanted to focus on and target on. And, and Greg Laurie was involved actually throughout it. requirement, uh, but he was just so curious how movies were made. And he was, he was a great help. You know, if we were kind of getting certain things wrong or something that didn't feel right, then we would make tweaks and adjustments and, and then he's thrilled with the final product. I mean, just, you know, the movie makes everybody look really, really um, good in a very good light, and uh, which is the hope and the theme of all of our movies that we make at Kingdom Story where, Company. Where can people who, I mean, this is a great weekend to go see a movie, where can people sort of find where they can see it? Is, is there also going to be a digital streaming option, um, et cetera? 
Yeah, so right now we're still in theaters. Uh, this is our fourth week in theaters. We're in over 2,350 screens across America and Canada. And so you just kind of look wherever you find, uh, you know, Fandango app or, or just Google Jesus Revolution. It's probably playing at a theater near you. And check it out while it's in theaters. It's a movie definitely uh, that uh, is a better experience playing in a, in, in, with a group of people in a movie theater because it's something to talk about, something to laugh about. And um, uh, people have a really good experience, uh, you know, watching the film together. Look, really appreciate you being with us. Kevin Downs, Jesus Revolution is the movie. Kevin, thanks so much. Hey, thanks so much. Have a great one. Sunday Sizzle with Clay and Buck. As we are continuing to react to the craziness that is going on in our country on a day-to-day basis, the elections last night in Chicago and in Wisconsin were a mess for everyone out there who cares about truth, justice, and the American way. Combine that with Trump being arrested, and I think it all adds up to this situation where they care about power more than we care about power. Mm -hmm. And they're willing to do whatever it takes. And I just, I can't stop thinking about this freak result in Pennsylvania where they put Fetterman in office and how nobody's even paying attention to the fact that he's effectively been in a hospital now for three months since he got to D.C. He can't do the job. So Democrats have a not only a maniacal fixation on power, but along with that, on winning. Was was there any threat really of, you know, en masse in large numbers of a whoever the Democrat nominee was going to be in 2020, were there Democrats saying, oh, I won't I won't turn out for that. Dem-, you know, unless it's my Democrat, I won't do it. No. Yep. Was there a lot of Democrat infighting that cost them different races, different close races in states or no, because ultimately, I don't know how many Star Trek nerds there are out there, which I'm kind of I used to watch it when I was a kid a little bit more. But, you know, the Borg, which is like these cyborgs that are all interconnected. The Democrats are like the Borg, okay? Ultimately, they do whatever they have to do to win the intergalactic war for power. And we sit around going, well, I don't know if that's, you know, what would the founders have said about it? And, you know, I'm just saying, we got to get a I little just, ruthless on our team. This is my book, Buck, that now I believe is coming out in August. It's a game plan. If you keep getting your ass kicked, you're running the wrong game plan. Right? I mean, I, I just I don't know how to say it otherwise. And you pointed out, and it is fair, Glenn Youngkin won an unexpected win in 2021. But basically, think about the elections since 2016. How often have you been super engaged, excited, and thrilled with the result? If you keep losing, sooner or later, you have to change the game plan. You have to get nastier. You have to get more committed. You have to figure out how to win. And the number of people, I think, Buck, who just sit around and say, well, you know, I, I think your founder example is a good one. What would John Adams have said about this? Well, John Adams would have kicked the British's ass. He wouldn't have kept getting his ass kicked. And I think we got way too few fighters out there, to be frank. Way too many people looking over their shoulder. Like, what is the New York Times going to write if I yeah. say that? How's the Washington Post going to respond? Sack up. You know, it's 
all that matters is scoreboard, man. You know, I remember yes. this. When I played on teams or when I was even coaching a team, no matter what the other team said, at the end of the game, all that mattered was a scoreboard. So Best trash talk is scoreboard. Yeah, that's it. So uh, we got to rack it up, friends, which means also we got to be very honest about where we're weak, where we're strong, and what needs to be done. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 